Blizzard Watch, a podcast where we cover the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Matthew Rossi. With me this week are two imaginative co-hosts. Uh, first up, he, he likes to bring the body horror in unusual ways, Alex Zebart. Uh, body horror is the most horrifying horror, I find. So uh, it's, a, it's funny, though, because David Cronenberg is like one of the big deals in it, and he's so like sedate and nice in real life. Like I, I've seen him do interviews, and it's always kind of thrown me. But. I mean, it's like stuff like, you know, Cthulhu and whatever, like th- whatever, that's old hat, right? Body horror is the stuff that will make everyone just kind of shrink back in their seat and feel terrible. And eh. uh, that's what horror is supposed to do. So I kind of, I, I don't know, we could have a debate about that, but that's nothing to do with the show. So I'll move on. <laughs> yeah. Also with us this week, because she does everything for the site and generally speaking is the victim of our horrible conversations, uh, Ann Stickney. Hi, Ann. Hi, I just hit mute and tune you out entirely. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I recommend that, actually. That is probably the best thing to do. Um, so, uh, this week, we've had a few things happen. Um, first up, we had Duncan Jones tweeting the pictures from the Warcraft movie of Stormwind. Uh, and they were pretty interesting, I thought. Uh, what did you guys think? The, that was from the set in Canada. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's all Easter egg stuff. It's all background. It's, I'm sure none of that is going to play a major part in the film, but that's okay. Uh, I mean, the backdrop, it had a lot of details of things actually in the game and in Stormwind. I mean, it was a hero's call board with actual World of Warcraft quests. Did you see it. the slaughtered lamb in the background? Yeah, um, there was uh, the jeweling shop that's in Stormwind in-game right now, like the Denman family jewelers. Like, that's in-game and where jewel crafters go to train up jewel crafting. Yeah. I just thought it was cool because I remember, oh gosh, back at the beginning of everything, uh, Jones was talking about how they had slipped in as many little references for people that had played the game as they could. And I think this is kind of what he was talking about, where it's like, you know, if you're paying attention and you watch in the background there, you'll see some stuff that's like reminders. Yeah. Of I think it's interesting because I thought it was interesting because this is stuff that if you don't know anything about World of Warcraft or Warcraft in general, won't hurt you in any way. No, like you don't it's just like anything. your eyes go over it entirely. But if you play the game, it's like, oh, wait, it's that thing. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, I don't know. So far, the, it seems like they've done a lot. I, I'm actually waiting for the accusation of Horde of, of Alliance bias that they've done so much work on Stormwind. When it's like, guys, there was no Orgrimmar. <laughs> yeah. Like, they didn't build that till they'd been here a while. Um, they just they just stepped through the portal. There's not. It's not like they had an Orgrimmar waiting for them. But the, the man, Stormwind looks amazing. Uh, I will give them full credit on every everything I've seen of it. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um. So. You know, and I think they could have gotten away with not doing anything like that. They could have. They didn't have to put in these dregs. They didn't have to put in these details. Um, but I think it's a smart thing for them to do, considering the actual story of the movie we know is an alternate version of events. It's the cinematic version versus the video game version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's probably a chance that could alienate the vast World of Warcraft player base. I mean, but you still want to you don't necessarily need that player base to make this movie a success, but not alienating however many people is probably a good call. I look at it sort of the way I look at the Marvel movies where the Marvel movies are straight up, not the comics. It's the Marvel cinematic universe versus the Marvel comics canon. It's they're two different things. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that is definitely what this is. It's, it's the cinematic Warcraft universe, but, um, they put in those extra details to kind of go, hey, video game guys, we still like you too. 
Yeah. And I mean, I'll say this. Um, I was surprised to find out just how long lasting Hogger's career has been. Yeah. <laughs> He's been a that terror been forever. A- the lifespan of the average, whatever he is, oh. Nall is apparently terrifyingly long. <laughs> he's been doing it. Uh, he's been doing this for at least twenty, thirty years, man. That guy was. That guy least, was a threat. And maybe it's like there's just a generation of hoggers out there, and unto each generation, a new Ooh. hogger is chosen. <laughs> or it's like Zorro. Or oh no, it's like it's it's like the Phantom, where the like hogger has a child and raises hot that child in hog cave, and eventually, of course, hogger will fall, and then hogger's son will come forth and be like. Yeah, Hogger's an immortal. Cause you know we kill. We thought we'd killed not Hogger, but there's another. There he is. He's back. Oh, Radar three yes. in the chat channel says he's Dread Pirate Hogger, which is I also think it's a good possibility. Far more likely that you know some knoll has to take up the crown of Hogganation because there must always be a Hogger. <laughs> why? Why must there always be a Hogger? Oh, you wouldn't <laughs> want not to have a Hogger, man. What what happens? What do they do? They get real mean. But they're already pretty mean, aren't they? I... No, they get they get worse. <laughs> <laughs> they stop wearing pants. Are they wearing pants now? I, I honestly know. couldn't tell you. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Also, um, little heroes of the storm news was that we we finally found out who the mystery new heroes were. Um, I was actually really surprised by one of them. Uh, Diablo three wizard. Yeah, okay, I I get that one. That that seems like a yeah. Of course they're gonna add that yeah. one. A Diablo two character though, I wasn't seeing coming. Um, I figured they would do it eventually. It was just a matter of when. I, I mean, for example, when they added uh, the Amazon skin for Nova, there were people that were like, "Oh, this means we're never gonna get the Amazon then, huh?" And the devs were kind of like, "You know, don't rule anything out. Uh, just because we gave Nova an Amazon skin doesn't mean we don't want to add the Amazon." So I think. Hmm. Diablo 2 stuff has always been on the radar. They just never really got around to doing it or didn't feel compelled to do it until now. Well, yeah, they do have... What the interesting thing about the amount of heroes they're releasing is that they're basically going to have to dip just to keep releasing heroes. I mean, you know, they, they are releasing a lot of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, great uh, that they have... They've got tons of room from StarCraft alone. They could they could pull in all sorts of StarCraft people they haven't even looked at yet. And, and so. just in World of Warcraft is... Or Warcraft in general is kind of infinite almost because there's so many characters and there's so many expansions and just i mean if they really got to the point where they were desperate they could pick out just cool quest givers like okay let's put hemet nesting wary in heroes of the storm you know yeah i could see that i, I would expect them to do, do stuff like you know garage or whatever first but yeah i could see hemet nesting wary yeah the the content moves so much more slowly for Starcraft and Diablo that I think they could in a matter in in years from now they could run out of characters to use uh, that'll never be the case for Warcraft yeah and they haven't even touched Overwatch yet I mean they're right. bringing Tracer in but they haven't like touched the rest of Overwatch's cast yet so there's still characters from there that they can bring in too and they still haven't brought in you know rock and roll racing in any form yeah I think it's gonna get really weird when Tracer is in Heroes because. Tychus has a skin where he has like a tracer emblem on his armor, like a pinup girl kind of thing. So having tracer actually in heroes makes that whole situation kind of weird. That's when you take tracer. And Maybe shoot they'll Tychus. talk to each other and she'll ask him about it. Yes. <laughs> I loved your game when I was a boy. Um, years ago. <laughs> 
But uh, the a lot of the characters that they're adding to Heroes of the Storm are interesting because they're they all seem lately they seem to be um, characters that have a high skill cap. You need to be very good to play them well. Uh, mm-hmm. The wizard in particular seems to have that as a selling point. That the spells all arcane like magic missiles in particular, like you have to be very um, aware of what you're doing and do it kind of perfectly to maximize your damage. I thought and, um, we haven't the had any, what's that. I thought the necromancer's reverse skill shot was kind of interesting. The the planting of the scythe oh, and then it comes back yeah. to you because it's yeah, a different um, kind of way to do that. Yeah, and it's they're all characters that you know you need to be really good. And I think maybe I think aesthetically people are really interested in these characters like Lunara. Like, okay, who doesn't want to be a dryad? That's awesome. But um, and, and the wizard like I'll kill you. Yeah, of course I want to be the Diablo III wizard. That's great. But uh, the actual gameplay of it I think makes them kind of niche. Well, we'll see. Uh, I I've, I've heard add... from people that... Sorry. No, you go. I want them to add old gods. <laughs> I want I... To... Let's play Heroes as Cthune or Yogg-Saron. <laughs> um, see, at, I think if you play point... those, they have to have, like, it'd be like Chogol, but you have to have five people play it. Yeah, it's like everybody gets a tentacle. <laughs> uh, at one point, somebody asked if they would ever add Deathwing as a hero, and I think one of the... Dev- I don't remember who it was. Um, they said... I think Deathwing would work better as a map, as a playable character. <laughs> Where the map is just his back? Yeah. Oh, no. Flashbacks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in order to win this map, you have to find one guy and just have him run around annoying all these oozes. No! <laughs> Rossi's just been in his office screaming no for like two days. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I definitely, you know, I'm interested to play these new heroes, but... You know, there, there has been that uh, skill issue where you have to be really good to play Lunara, and to get the most out of Greymane, you have to play really, really well, and the wizard seems like that times ten, and mm-hmm. I'll probably enjoy playing her, but to be good on her, uh, it's going to be tough. And it, I don't think that's a problem that they add characters that are hard to play. Like, I think those kind of characters need to exist. We've just kind of had a series of them, and there, there's no none of those new... Oh, yeah, this one's a little more chill kind of heroes. Yeah, um, I will say that I, it would be nice if they added a couple more characters that were not particularly hard to play, because I'll be honest with you, I am terrible at this game. I, I, I think am. people are getting tired of seeing uh, the newbie heroes being Raynor and Uther, and they're just the same ones on the rotation every single week because they're easy to play. Um, to add some more easy to play ones so there's a little more diversity on that side. All right, and also, I mean, the Legion Alpha is still open again, and I I can't really think of anything new to say about Violet it. I mean, I, I been unlocked. ah, Violet Hole's been unlocked. There you go. Yep. Um, we did a like I, I this was a couple of weeks ago. We ran no, it was last week, wasn't it? It was last, last week. Thursday. Yep. We did. Yeah, we uh, we ran um Vault of the Wardens. Yes. Which is kind of it's funny because we have Violet Hole, then we have Vault of the Wardens, which is like it's like running a couple of Violet Holds with it's like stacked on running, top of each other, or it's like running Architraz. And one of the bosses at the end of Arcatraz is an elevator that takes you down into Violet Hold. And, and then God. once you finish Violet Hold, you get Tall Barad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. It's it's a big dungeon in terms of like content. I want to finish like, it. Yeah, um, I I felt like we'd finally gotten to the point where it was like, oh hey, bosses. Oh, we have to stop now. Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle for us was that mini boss that almost yeah. like, almost right at the beginning. Yeah, the trash in that thing was harder than the bosses yeah. and the, the, the boss we got to fight uh, we fought i think we fought like two bo- actual we bosses. fought two and that second one was a challenge just because it was the, like 
again because of the trash he summoned. Not really him himself. Like he he wasn't. Well, yeah, but that, that was it. part of the boss encounter, though. Yeah. Um, I feel like um the actual bosses we fought, we there's kind of we we had to learn what to do and we got it. Um, yeah. That mini boss right at the beginning. Zerg. Uh, we were at a loss, so we just zerged it because when you released your spirit. Because it wasn't, it didn't count as a boss, so you could release during the encounter. So we kept releasing and resing <laughs> and just zerged her down because. And that was after. Loss. That was after we switched. Like Alex back to Alex was tanking, but we had to switch because we had three melee and a healer. Yeah. So the I have, healer. Was I have a range now, by the way. I have a range now, so I, I rolled up an elemental shaman. So if we need somebody to step out of melee, I can do that as well. No. But it was it was very interesting to watch. Like they've, Alex has talked about this the past couple of times we've talked about doing stuff in the alpha because it's it's actually interesting. They've changed mechanics around. It's like I've always complained that the mechanics tend to like penalize melee, especially in like raids. But in dungeons too, mechanics tend to penalize you for being in melee. It's like they've decided, okay, we've come up with a mechanic that penalizes ranged, and then they used it on everything. Yeah, on everything, and it's like. It would be great if we if we had like a three melee if we had a three ranged group this would be awesome because only one person would be getting it and it would spread the damage out but because it's usually like a, a rogue uh, a demon hunter and Alex on his warlock Alex usually gets pummeled yeah it's like these mobs and the bosses they always have at least one sometimes two abilities like this is always gonna hit ranged like it's just not gonna hit anybody in melee range and when you're the only ranged in the group. Uh, you're not DPSing. You're getting hit by everything, and you're constantly running. You're and just to dodging everything. Yeah. Uh, but if you have more range, it's probably not an issue. But uh, if if you're in a group where you're just the one range DPS, um, good luck. Be ready to not <laughs> DPS. <laughs> and well, that's funny because I'm glad I'm playing an affliction warlock because I can dot things and still move. Yeah, it was actually interesting too because one of the things I noticed when we were doing the dungeon was, um, in terms of like threat threat isn't hard to hold or keep but they do have these they have abilities that reset them like the, the targeting out to, to ranged or occasionally they just turn and do something yeah. and it doesn't like it's got nothing to do with their threat meter like they're on you they just turn around and throw something at someone in the group and then turn back to you and it you if you're tanking them you think you lost them well until you, i was like, when I was tanking, the thing that was getting me is in Vault of the Wardens, there's a few mobs where they will charge somebody else. Yeah. And so if it went and it charged Mitch, who was healing, and he was way behind me somewhere, um, I didn't know if it was going to come back or not. Yeah, I, I was blowing taunt every time it did that. Yeah. One time I death gripped it back to me, and the weird part was I death gripped it, and then it charged again. So it was like, charge, death grip, charge. It was like, oh, just get over here. I noticed that a lot. Um. I tried tanking on a warrior, and I actually find the Death Knight more enjoyable, but that's just, I think that's because warriors are a little undertuned right now. And I think some of those mechanics are just, um, we have to see them more to know how they work. Like, okay, it charged, but after the charge, is it going to walk back to the tank? If it will, the tank can basically ignore that happening. Uh, yeah. If it charges, and that's, it attacks it's a threat, else yeah. or a threat. Is it a threat jump. reset? Yeah, it yeah. does a threat reset when it does it. That was one of the things that I was basically, it's kind of hard to tell too, because uh, at least for Death Knights, the Death Knight tanking is basically constantly spamming new threat abilities in between hitting stuff to heal yourself. So even if I did lose it, I wouldn't know because I'd almost immediately be hitting it with something else to get threat back. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you if you were on a Paladin, it would be different. So I don't know. It's it, 
it is what it is. I definitely think uh, some of these dungeons are just amazing to look at. Um, I haven't actually, I haven't been in one yet that I really thought was ugly. Uh, They've the all closest, been really pretty and neat. What was the one we did first? Um, the elven one, Black Rock Hold? Black Rock Hold, yeah. I like uh, Black Rock Hold. Which is probably not um, the best name they could have picked, but it is what it is. Black Rock Hold was, in terms of how it looked, in terms of how it ran, uh, it, w- it was actually funny because it looks and feels like it's a huge expanse of space, but it is ultimately... In terms of if you drew a map of it that isn't based on the physical space it inhabits, but rather on the encounter flow, it's a straight line. It's narrow hallways, and they go yeah. up and down. You know, you go up and down stairwells and things like that. It reminds me a lot of uh, Shadowfang Keep, like the yeah, interior of Shadowfang Keep. Or even um, Shadow Labyrinth, where a Shadow little Labyrinth, bit, a little bit. Shadow Labyrinth doesn't go up and down, but it definitely has the curving around. Yeah. Uh, so it's... I don't know. I, I liked Black Rock Hold for, for you know, ease of flow. Um, I liked Halls of Valor because it's just really gorgeous. Um, um, and my, if, if, my only complaint with Black Rock Hold is, again, it always comes back with these dungeons to trash volume. Uh, yeah, Black oh, Rock yeah. Hold, it seemed like, well, not only was there a lot of trash just, like, in the main pathway, but there were all these, like, side rooms and alcoves that didn't serve a purpose, but they were just than, full of mobs that you had to pull yeah. and get. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would say though, Black Rock Hold was actually the most reasonable in terms of trash, with Halls of Valor being a solid. I'm starting to get sick of this. Uh, and, Halls of Valor had like way too much. Yeah, Halls of Valor so- solidly ranks in a number seven on the I'm getting sick of this scale. And I'll straight up say that um, the the one we did before uh, Vaulted Awardens, the Darkheart Thicket, Darkheart Thicket just was like, is this place insane? Like, I feel yeah. like I'm raiding a convention of evil druids, not that I'm actually <laughs> fighting. Like, seriously, I can't get 10 feet without, like, you know, a swarm of things. I don't even yep. know what these things are. And there were even those, like, uh, the, um, the res- well, respawning dragon well, eggs. Respawning yeah. dragon eggs, which were a problem because those elementals seemed had to have way too much health. And maybe oh, yeah. they'll fix that. But if those elementals still have tons and tons of health and live in a hallway with dragon eggs that respawn... And the elementals have knockback, so it's not like you can just try to not fight on the eggs. It's going to throw you onto eggs. Yeah. After all of the trash you fought through to get to that point, oh my god. Yeah. Even um, the the, the uh, Vaulted Awardens had a solid amount of trash. Like I would put it number eight, like on the one to ten scale of too much trash. But Darkheart Thicket was straight up a ten. Like just I by the time we got to the final boss, I was like, ah, oh, okay. I think we're done with respawning trash waves and, and that dragon thing and everything. We're just going to fight this guy now. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I actually, I'll give, um, before we move on, and I think we should move on because, you know, tons of emails and all that. I, I will say that for, for in terms of Vaulted Wardens, both in art design and turns of trash, at least once you get to a certain point, you, you're done with trash. And then it's like, it's an improvement on the, the, the thing they tried to do with, with um, oh, man, uh trial of the crusader trial of the champion where they tried to have you know just boss fights mm-hmm. where you get to the bottom and then as ann said it's tall barat at the bottom like once you get past like the second boss then it becomes tall barat and there's just trash there's a boss here a boss here a boss here and a boss here and, and little mini like, dudes in front of them but the mini dudes yeah. are that tough and you know no, it, yeah it's a it's really easy like it's the easy thing to say like there's too much trash right but uh what i'll add to that is the volume of trash might be okay if the tuning is different or if, like, we get scaled up to level 110 for all of these. If it's just that we don't do enough damage the way we're being scaled up now or things have too much health at whatever level, 
if the trash just goes faster, that there's a lot of it doesn't really matter. But when yeah. every pull takes quite a while to do, and there's just another one and another one and another one, it really wears on you. Yeah, I would say that's why Dark Art Thicket was one of the worst ones, because not only was there a lot of trash, but it was taking forever to die. And so I'm, I'm not even talking low DPS. We, could, we couldn't tell you what our DPS was, because you didn't have add-ons yet. But stuff that would melt, like we would melt the pull before something. Like it would just go down in like, in, in like three seconds. Your very next pull is an elemental that won't die. Yeah. Like you, I watched it. It, it wasn't would very not evenly tuned. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's what you expect for an alpha. So, all right. And moving on to emails, uh, as is always the case, you can send emails to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and we would love to look, look at it and hear them and see, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, as is usually the case, we, um, have emails from various people, you know, who are our patrons because we like to give them a reward for supporting the site. And the first one is from Tashi. Uh, do Legion dungeons scale with your level? Like actual level 100 will we, f- when we first load up the game. Will I have more than one or two dungeons to queue for? Or will we have them all? Uh, thanks, Toshi. Uh, as Alex said on testing, they're all scaling us up to 110. But I think the the, the theory first, is that they will. Yeah, the first dungeon that we did, when or not the first one, but when we did Halls of Valor, um, we saw some evidence of dynamic scaling where one of us was like higher level than the other person. And the dungeon was kind of scaling independently for each player. Which is interesting. Yeah. So that kind of indicates that, yeah, that dungeon, it's going to be kind of a dynamic scaling experience. And I think they're all supposed to be open, like right at launch, I believe. Yeah, that was that was what we've been told, at least so far. It's Um, like the zones themselves. You know how the zones, you can pick any zone because it scales to you rather than you going to the zone at a particular level. The dungeons kind of work in the same way. Yeah, that, that's my expectation. I don't think they would lock them down given they have all the scaling stuff in place now. It just doesn't make yeah. sense, particularly because you can choose a zone. I mean, if you decide to start your leveling in the zone that, for example, where Black Rook Hold would be, but you can't run Black Rook Hold, it's kind of silly. Yeah, um, like, for instance, you could you could choose to start in Val Shirah, which is where the thicket is. And if that's the case, the, the dungeon is part of the story. So... It would make it's, sense. It's to all have scaling. Sense. It's all scaling kind yeah. of back and forth. So I have a feeling that everything is going to be open. Like when Legion launches, you're going to be able to do whatever you want, pretty much. Yeah. And like Anne said, um, we saw when we ran Halls of Valor, um, four of us were level 101 or something like that. Yeah. But Mitch was like a level 104. And we saw mobs as like level 102, 103. And Mitch saw them as like 105, 106. Uh, the same mobs, we just saw them differently, and they had different health values for each of us. Um, yeah, it's really it, interesting, but it seems like you can totally run a dungeon at level 100 with somebody who's level 110. And what was also interesting, too, is that that's how the bug happened that we hit in that dungeon. Yeah, well, I don't of... know if that's what... Yeah, I mean, that mob was just not incor- was not correctly scaled to us. Yeah, he wasn't scaled at all, because he, everyone saw him at like level 112. Like Which none was of us were like bad. Yeah. <laughs> he he was crushing. He was giving crushing blows on me. I was like, yeah, this isn't working. Yeah, I, I'm getting crushed. I'm literally getting crushed. This is a mechanic that I haven't seen since like 2008. Uh, okay, next question is from Zach B. Uh, hello, I have an alpha question for the podcast. What is the new attuned stat for Elemental Shaman now that Multi Strike is gone? Also, did they change out master, change our mastery back to be, basically being Multi Strike like it was before? Uh, thanks. Does anyone know the answer to this one? 
Well, as far as the attuned stack, I've played with Elemental Shaman a little bit and leveled a little bit with one on the uh, alpha. As far as the attuned stat goes, I'm not sure what it is. I know that on your artifact weapon, you've got crit, you've got spell power, and you've got mastery. And I almost think you kind of want to go with mastery because mastery, it triggers elemental overload. And that grants, I think it's like a 44% chance for... Um, either your lightning bolt or your chain lightning or your lava burst to trigger a second one. So it is kind of so, like multi-strike again. Yeah. So elemental shaman, basically they do have multi-strike. It's just a built-in mechanic instead of calling it, it multi-strike. It's a, it's a mastery thing. So yeah, they did kind of go back to that and it works really well and I like it a lot. Okay. And that since we answered that question, we'll move on to the next one is from Superman's nemesis, Luthor. Uh, Dear Lords of Lore, I have a question slash comment about some of the voice acting in Blizzard's games and wanted to hear your take on it. First off, Cindergosa and the Garden of Terror narrator are voiced by the same actress. Uh, the first time I played Garden of Terror, I was delighted to recognize her amazingly over-the-top enthusiasm. The voice acting she did for Cindergosa is infamous for WoW players, much for the same reason. I, for one, have always liked it, and it made me appreciate Garden of Terror, the gameplay of which I'm not crazy about, simply because they brought her in for the character. Imagine then my consternation when they changed it. They had her redo the, the, the lines and made her tone it down. I was severely disappointed. I can understand why they would do that, I guess, but I was disappointed. What do you guys think about this? What do you think of her work for the game in general? And what are some of your favorite voice acting moments in Blizzard games? Uh, always your favorite fa faithful fanboy, Luthor. Sir, Superman will defeat you. <laughs> um, the problem with Cintragosa, like, I'm okay with the voice actress. Like, I, I'm okay with sometimes they go over the top. Like, if it fits the character that they're just totally over the top, that's fine. Uh, the problem with Cindragosa is she was shrieking in my ears. And if somebody was doing that in a room I was standing in, I would throw them out of the room. See, here's my thing. I didn't mind her as Cindragosa. It was her Cataclysm voice acting in Deep Home that I had a problem with. And the reason for that was quite simple. I could hear her anywhere in the zone. Anywhere in the zone. I could be nowhere near that cave that she was in part of. I, and I, it was the Glop Quest. You guys remember the Glop Quest, right? No. From Cataclysm? It's, one, it's the one where you're the, basically the shaman who she's playing is chasing a trog through the cave and saying, basically telling oh, him, you know. Was, she, yeah. was it like the troll shaman? Yes. Yeah, okay. And you could hear her anywhere No, she was Stormcaller Milra. Isn't Stormcaller? No, she's also this troll shaman then because this is, she's basically yelling throughout the entire zone, Glop, we'll, you know, we'll get you or something. And I don't just think like, that was the same actress. Because sure in Cataclysm, she was Stormcaller Milra, and she was Zayla. Okay, I'm pretty sure she was also this character. But at any rate, that was the one that really bugged me. Just because I could hear her anywhere in the zone. Just drove me nuts. Uh, in terms of, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think maybe we should answer the other part of her, the question about favorite voice acting moments. I, more than just, that. I just want to say again that I, I actually really enjoy the current Garden of Terror voice acting. Because she sounds off-kilter. She sounds somebody who's like who just wants to kill everybody. And it's not shrieking in my ears, but it still gets that kind of uh, not entirely right vibe across. So I like it. And I mean, I like her voice acting, but Cindergosa, again, you know, the Cindergosa encounter, when you're trying to do the Cindergosa encounter and pay attention to all the mechanics and everything else, it's very difficult to do when you have a dragon shrieking in your ear. <laughs> and Cindergosa was one of the one fights it was one of the few fights I think um, that I actually like 
turned off vocals altogether and put on some kind of soothing music just so I could pay attention to what was happening on the screen instead of what was happening in my ear. Um, did she do a good job? Yes. Did I want to listen to her for prolonged periods of time? No. And when you're doing Cindergosa on Heroic, you listen to that fight repeatedly over and over and over and it just gets on everybody i think that's half the reason people got so cranky with that particular boss when we were working on it in wrath i don't know it's weird because i guess for me tanking it i didn't notice she was saying anything like i was way too busy like I, the only time i actually heard her at all was turk when she would come in and yeah. she'd say you know you are fools to have come here the icy wind of Northwind, racy winds of Northwind will consume your souls. That part I heard because you know, that was my okay. Now it's like, on you know I mean? now. Was, <laughs> yeah, but then everything else, like I, I'm, I don't. When I'm tanking stuff like in a raid, I'm basically listening to somebody else tell me to do things. Like you know, either I'm making calls or someone else is making them, and I have to hear them. So I'm focused on either telling people, okay, I'm going to turn her now, or. Uh, should I taunt? Like, am I taunting? You know, what, what, what's going on here? So for me, I barely noticed it. But yeah, everybody else hated Cindergosa. And I like, think that a that lot. half of it was because every time you reset, it meant, oh, we have to listen to the screaming again. <laughs> and it well, was plus, like I, two hours of screaming. <laughs> Cindergosa has different screams based on like what you... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off of Cindergosa because I feel like I could beat that one for a while. I'm going to say for my favorite voice acting so far... A lot of it's been in Warlords, actually. Yeah. Um, some of the Warlords voice acting has been phenomenal. Uh, first off, Tony Amendola. You, you're going to have him as Cadgar? Okay. Yeah. That guy. I'm, I'm down for Tony Amendola doing whatever he wants. Um, then they had Frank Welker. And, I mean, they had good voice acting in, in Miss as well. Uh, you got Jim Cummings doing doing um, Lore Walker Cho. So, you know, you, right there, the, that's like Winnie the Pooh slash Darkwing Duck is, is now a panda person telling me things. I'm going to listen. But I, I really thought when they had Frank Welker doing, a, I can't remember who he did, the guy with Percy. What's the name of that character? Oh, the uh, uh, Arakoa. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I can't now. Now I blanked on his name, but yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly who you're talking about. Hear him go, come Percy, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Frank Welker. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm like a kind of a, a bit of a nerd for voice actors, so whenever I hear a recognizable one. Doing and, and you know Frank Welker is one of the big names, so I was like totally like just like oh, they got Frank Welker. The guy um, that they had doing Goldon was fantastic. Frank Rashad, Baker. thank you, chat channel. It was Rashad. Rashad, yes, thank I you. I wanted to say Murad, and I'm like, no, that's no, not no. right at all. <laughs> Although Murad's another example. Um, he's he's a he's a big deal voice actor. Uh, they got Troy Baker to do um Goldon, and you, I just couldn't even, I didn't even recognize him. At this point, the only one they haven't gotten is like Nolan North. I think Steve Bloom's done a few, isn't he? He's yeah. at least done Heroes of the Storm voice. Oh, yes. certainly. Um, yes. Steve Bloom is Abathur, I believe. I think yeah. Steve Bloom used to also voice a new Barak, but because he's Abathur, I guess they didn't want him voicing two buggy dudes. Well, he did Rexar for Heroes. Yeah. I know that that's Steve Bloom doing Rexar for and, Heroes. Um, uh, one of my favorite voice actors slash actresses is Laura Bailey. Like, anything Laura Bailey's in, like, I'm there. I think she's great. Um, mm -hmm. What's interesting in Heroes of the Storm is... Um, she, it was questionable for a long time whether or not she did Jaina, because Jaina doesn't quite sound like Jaina, but Jaina just kind of has a different attitude in Heroes of the Storm. But, um, Vala, the demon hunter, is definitely Laura Bailey and sounds more like Jaina than Jaina does, which is weird. Uh, and Laura Bailey did not do the demon hunter in Diablo 3. 
So it's it, Heroes of the Storm is kind of a special place where it all gets kind of scrambled, and sometimes voice actors do the characters they've always done, and sometimes they don't, but they're still in the game anyway, voicing somebody else. Uh, it's Heroes of the Storm is weird. I kind of wish that they would get... Um, I know Jennifer Hale came in and she did Leia for Diablo 3, but mm-hmm. I kind of wish that they'd bring her in on Warcraft for something. I don't know what, but I want them to bring her in for something, because she's got one of those voices that's like, immediately recognizable as well i, well, I was just i was just warcraft. amazed go ahead okay i was just i was just amazed when i realized that was crispin freeman as maraud mm. and you know like crispin freeman's been out there for years so they they, they really stepped up their casting in, well, in almost the last couple a lot of, of a lot of these voice actors um it's an interesting thing where a lot of these voice voice actors just mostly did anime um like crispin freeman anime all the time and a lot of those ones who almost did exclusively anime are coming into games now, too, with all the games voice actors. So uh, I think voice acting in games in general is uh, is attracting more people than it did pre- previously. Possibly, because I know that Aaron Fitzgerald, who is the voice actor for URL, did, did a lot of anime. And a lot of just animation, too, for that matter. Mm-hmm. A lot. Like, you know, she's been even in Ed. She's actually been in Ed, Ed and Eddie, if you've never seen that. Oh, yeah. I, yep. I, yep. She did that. So. There's really, like, voice acting is one of those things that you don't really think about how important it is until you've heard, like, you know, bad voice acting in games. And, and Blizzard has had its moments where it's had some it's had some bad voice acting. That's what I was going to say in that um, I, that's something that we run into in World of Warcraft a lot, I think, in that um, the the either the the voice acting or that particular take of voice acting that they choose to use in a scene does not always reflect the emotion that the devs say they wanted to get across. Um, the one that sticks out is uh, Laura Bailey as Jaina in that Siege of Orgrimmar cinematic. Yeah, um, that end cinematic. She came out like, as, sounding really as, deranged. <laughs> like, I am totally on Jaina's side in like the actual story, right? Like, some bad stuff happened to her, and it's totally reasonable that she you know, is sick of this crap, right? But um, they, they took... Uh, a take that made her sound pretty deranged, like really off kilter. And it was very Grima worm tongue. Yeah. And you know, you talk like Dave Kosak talks about this on Twitter and it's like, you know, she's supposed to be somebody who's distressed. Uh, and, and they used a take from Laura Bailey. Who's amazing. Like she's been doing this for years and she's great, but somehow they, they used a take that was just really cruel and evil and, not fitting. It kind of crossed the line from Jaina to Jaina as supervillain, which was a little disturbing to hear. I mean, should she have been angry? Absolutely. Is that the line she would have said? Yeah, probably. But would she have said it in that way? Uh... Right. And, and in stuff like um, the duel between Garrosh and Thrall, like you would oh, expect more. Garrosh's voice was just like, like, ripped Garrosh my heart apart. It was so good. And then Thrall's response is that last thing that he said was just not, it didn't, it didn't hit the mark. Yeah. And you know, these people, they're good voice actors. They've done so much good work. Oh yeah. It just feels like the people who like, you know, they record all these lines many, many times and the producers, they kind of pick the best one. And I feel like their judgment in picking which take to use is not the best. Um, there must have been a better option than Thrall having no emotion or reaction at all. Well, I mean, too, let's be fair. Um, we're comparing Patrick Seitz, who is one of the premier voice actors of his generation, to, to, to a guy who 
designs and draws video games. I'm sure Chris Metzen. Chris Metzen is, is able not to have Thrall sound slightly concerned yeah, or remorseful. But at the same time, though, I mean, and this isn't me bagging on Chris Metzen at, at all, but I really do feel like Chris Metzen is not a voice actor and. The fact is, is if they were doing World of Warcraft today, they probably might not have given him so many voices to do. <laughs> I don't um, know. I, I've heard Thrall say some, like, really compelling dialogue before. I mean, I've heard lines that were read, and it was like, oh, it hit you really. It was just in that particular scene. I, I it didn't play quite right. If, I honestly found myself wondering if during the takes, Metzen was just going, damn, that was a really good thing he said. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be acting. Well, the the thing with... Metzen is um in Blizzard's older games he he still had a lot of roles yeah none of them sounded like Chris Metzen um they were you know some of them were a little sillier like he was the battle cruiser voice in the original Starcraft like yeah the Russian battle cruiser operation like that was Chris Metzen I can go back and listen to that voice that track like that sound file be like that doesn't sound like Chris Metzen and there are lots of other voices he've done that they just don't sound like Chris Metzen but in World of Warcraft it's like Hey, Chris, can you be Chris? Well, I don't know if it's that or if um, when he does. One of the things that's interesting about Metzen is we a lot of the stuff we hear him say, like, I don't see him every day at work. So I don't I don't know his like, you know, hey, want to get some pizza voice. I just know his I'm at BlizzCon voice. And I almost feel like his I'm at BlizzCon voice is him doing Thrall at yeah. BlizzCon. And it's, it's kind of bled into itself where my perce- my perception of how Chris Metzen talks is that he is either Varian Wren or Thrall at any given moment, except when he's, you know, Nefarian. You know, I don't think he, if I recall, he isn't actually Varian Wren. No, he he's like not. It. He's not. It's, he's done. He's done Varian. He's done it at one point. It's confirmed. Yeah. He's done Varian when they couldn't get, um, what's his name? And for instance, it is Varian, that is Chris Metzen doing Varian in the trailer, the one for uh, Legion. That's just, he, he um, himself confirmed it. It's not uh, the guy from Duke Nukem. I know yeah, who you're talking about. Uh, I know what you're saying John it. John St. John. Is that it? Yeah, I believe that's his name. Yeah, he's they've they've had both of them do it. Um, but Varian is definitely definitely met in at specific points in time. Like you can you can tell when it's him. Oh, my God. I just looked up John St. John and opened his Wikipedia page. And the picture they use there is um, something special. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hmm. Uh, should we, we should probably, you know, do the whole next email thing, which would be great, except that I just went and closed the email. So, yay! Uh, well, you guys can look at the page I linked in Skype, and everybody listening at home can look up John St. John and open it on Wikipedia. All right. So that's your, that's everybody's homework. Next email, this one's from Drew Bob, who is, you know, fairly often comments on the site. So greetings, that. everyone. Did I? What did I skip? Oh, right. I did skip that one. <laughs> We'll get back okay. to Drew Bob. Sorry, Drew Bob. Um, this one's from Bertrand, another human paladin. Apparently, paladins are just all over this thing today. Uh, hello, uh, longtime listener and, and Patreon backer. I, first, I'd like to say I love the site and the KYL articles, especially the TFHs, as the story got me into that Warcraft many years ago. I have a two-part question. Number one, are any of the KYLs that you wrote for the site, which will not be named, archived anywhere so that people can read them? Uh, two, do you ever go back and reread your old TFH's uh, articles and and think why well, I was way off on this one or I ha- I had to nailed it, uh, Burchard Human Paladin. I don't know why Ann picked this one out. Since this is a question mostly for Ann and myself, I'll ask Ann to answer it first. Oh, okay. Um, are they archived? Yeah, actually, I think if you go back to, they're on Engadget, aren't they? 
Yeah, probably. I, I believe they're on. Inge- you you kind of have to look for them because they aren't they aren't like displayed anywhere. But you can go back and find them. Um, as far our, as we- our former employer owns the rights to those, so yeah. we can't we can't reprint them or anything like that. Um, do I ever go back and read tinfoil hat articles and think I was way off or, um, no, not usually. I mean, I don't go, wow, I was way off on this one. I don't usually, if I go back and I read one, it's because something else has come out to either support it or something has come out that is like made me shift what that original tinfoil hat. Usually when I throw out, throw tinfoil hats out there, I'm not really expecting them to be right or wrong. It's more of a matter of, oh, hey, this is funny, and this is funny, and this is funny, and since all of these things are funny, they kind of point to this thing, which is really weird. Um, I don't think that I've ever said, wow, yay, I nailed that one, or anything like that. I have had them correct before, like verified as correct, and it's more like a, oh, well, cool, I guess I was right, and then, you know, move on to the next thing. (laughs) I will admit that I only reread a few things from then. I I don't like to go back and look at it because it kind of there's a few pieces i wrote that were kind of emotional because it was the end of an era um but i do go back and reread the last four or five kyls that both ann and myself wrote yeah because it's like the 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 month that we knew things were going down i don't know what happened but it was like we were like okay all right um so that governor i usually put on my brain that keeps it somewhat grounded yeah we're just taking taking that off off, taking that off (laughs) And the last, the last three or four, um, I, I don't, I'm not saying they were any better than anything else we ever did, but they were the most just straight up like, okay, what if blank? And the one that really comes to mind was there was one Anne was doing and there was one I was doing, and they basically all hinged around the the concept of anima, like the the anima from from the Throne of Thunder raid and what it meant, and they they played in completely different ways. I just remember like looking at going, yeah, I like this, I like that this is all tying together, and. I don't know. It's it's very hard for me to go back and look at that site. It's hard to see what happened to it because um, I prefer the summon for Final Fantasy X. By the way, okay, Animo. Oh, okay. yeah, me too. It just it was very it was it's hard. So I don't I don't like to when I I write I, I'm we've written KYL since that are on the same stuff that we wrote then because you know we wrote a lot of KYLs. I mean, just you know there were two of them a week for quite a while. Uh, so. I, I know I've hit things that I wrote before. Uh, I'm sure Anna's hit things that she wrote before. I, or one of us has done one now that the other one did. Like, um, I know I wrote a bunch about Sylvanas last time, and I think you wrote Sylvanas this time? Yeah, I did Sylvanas yeah. this time. Um, we're kind of, um, we kind of alternate back and forth between writing about stuff about Legion, like what we see popping up in Legion, or what we see popping up in Warlords of Draenor, and just filling in spaces of characters yeah. that, that, you know, we had on the old site, but we don't have on the new site and kind of building yeah. up that backlog again. This week, I'm going to be talking about Bane Bloodhoof because we haven't actually talked about him in particular and he deserves his own article. So he absolutely does. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did care. I did Karen. Yeah, um, because, you know, because Karen, they um, feel- you know, I think it would be yeah. a good idea for um, <laughs> let's talk editorial. Uh, I think it'd be a good idea for you guys to talk about some of the more minor characters that pop up in some of these zones in, in legion like um stormheim there's a bunch of named people when you first get to the zone that haven't been around in a few expansions 
Yeah. This also requires me to play the alpha, which I haven't had a ton of time for. <laughs> I mean, just, just as one example, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of NPCs there that are named that I know have been around before, but just like one example is like Lorna Crowley is around. Well, yeah, that's why I did Blake so, Caller recently. Yeah. Uh, I did Blake Caller because Blake Caller is a big deal in Stormheim if you're Horde. I think it's about Lorna and Darius. I'm and probably sure I about them. a lot of these, probably, you know, some of these minor quest givers are just recurring characters. They probably don't need, you know, 1,500, 2,000 words on their own. They might be, let's cover a few people at one time. You know, I think those, that kind of thing would be useful. All right. Did I talk about well, Lorna? I'm pretty sure I did one about Lorna. If I didn't, she's on my list. Don't take her, Rossi. She's mine. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure, you know, eventually I'll get around to to somebody else. I, I don't know. I yeah, don't think I was planning on the same. Just talk about the Crowleys. But right, next email, this one is actually for Drew Bob's email. We're going to do this one now. I felt really bad about having preempted it. No, I think we should uh, skip that one. Nope, not happening. Greetings, everyone. Some question on the nature of expansions. Number one, we're going to do this. This is a three-parter, so we're going to do it the usual way. One, do you think WoW's expansions since Cataclysm have functioned more like con- conventional sequels to an RPG series than as a functioning addition to a persistent world? My my answer is yes. It doesn't seem like they support the uh, older parts of the game very much at all, and the extent to which they re-engineer almost all specs to some degree between expansions as well as take away abilities only to re-award them in the next expansion via Draenor perks or heirloom weapons uh, feels more like what developers do in sequels. So, what do you guys think, <laughs> Rossi? It's funny when you get a you have a parenthetical voice, yeah, or there's something parentheses. You have a voice you read it in, and then when people put an entire paragraph or two to three paragraphs in a parenthetical, and you have to keep it up the whole time, it's <laughs> I start really talking fun like to this. To. <laughs> yeah, I start getting a little droney. I'm sorry. I get prog- progressively more gravelly because it's going on way too long. <laughs> and by the end of it, I'm Batman. <laughs> I will be Christian Bale. I'll be answering your emails this week. Uh, okay. Are you going to answer his question or are you just going to make fun of me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think expansions, uh, as far as game mechanics, I think it's always been kind of, um, they never support the older content. I mean, Burning Crusade kind of eliminated Azeroth and Wrath of the Lich King. They didn't care about Outland anymore. Um, I don't think their approach to that has ever changed. The old stuff is old and busted and they don't want to look at it anymore. Um, story-wise, I think the last couple of expansions, last few expansions, have led from one to the next uh, as kind of a sequel would. Like, we almost have a trilogy happening, and um, I don't think that's something we had previously. That's the only new approach that I see. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Miss yeah. Pandaria definitely led to Warlords, which definitely leads to Legion. Well, when, we, when Burning Crusade came out, it was basically, oh no, the Dark Portal is opened again. Which And nobody had seen an expansion at that point, so we didn't really know what to expect. But it was like, oh, cool, broken, outland, whatever. And then after that, it didn't really flow necessarily into Wrath of the Lich King. I mean, there was the event that kind of like tied things together where you had to go... There was, you know, obviously the zombie outbreak and all of that, which was really fun, but it didn't have much to do with Outland so much as it was, we're going to slap this in here to go ahead and start the whole wrath excitement thing. And then Cataclysm, Cataclysm was kind of um, out of nowhere. Uh, But once Mists of Pandaria came out, you know, Mists led directly into Warlords, which is leading directly into Legion. Like, there's a tying thread. There's a thread that's kind of uniting these expansions together in a way that we haven't seen before. So I don't don't know if I'd say... I'd say they 
impact more like functioning additions because I mean conventional sequels to an RPG series what I'm thinking of is I'm thinking of like Final Fantasy where you know the next game that comes out maybe doesn't have anything to do with the game prior to it but it's a sequel anyway because it's under the same umbrella am I thinking yeah, I don't, know, right Fantasy, I don't know if Final Fantasy works in that conversation yeah Final right. Fantasy isn't isn't this well thing is what's weird about Final Fantasy is experience is stuff yeah. like 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 Final Fantasy or Secret of Mana or you know old school stuff um so, i don't know it's it's because like dragon age for instance dragon age sequels all played off into each other they're all in the same world Whereas final, final fantasy is so weird that there's like sequels to final fantasy games that are final fantasy 10 2 yeah final fantasy 13 because it relates to final fantasy 10 but if it was final fantasy yeah. 11 it was going to be an entirely different game with possibly yeah. different universe different cast of characters yeah. that kind of so, thing so i don't know i Final Fantasy just makes everything so complicated. I, I almost say, that's, that that's why I'm like conventional sequels to an RPG series. I'm like, what kind of RPG series are you talking about? Because well, there's the, so the, many different kinds out there. Uh, the Final Fantasy is interesting because the first one was, if it flopped, it was going to be the final game that the developers behind it ever did in the games industry. Like they, it was their final attempt at making something that would be successful, and it was so successful they're like, well, we have to make another one. So we'll just keep the Final Fantasy brand and just make a new story, and then they just kept going with it. Yeah. So it, but it was meant for to them. be a Final <laughs> Fantasy, but it was so successful it wasn't final at all. Yeah. All right. But it worked uh, for them. Next question, because man, the Final Fantasy discussion could take a while. Yeah. Uh, do you do you think that Blizzard could perhaps own up to this more in order to set player expectations better, or do they really have to? Um. I, I don't think they necessarily need to. I think that through the leveling stream we've seen how awkward it is to play through the old world right now but the problem with that is you know if you go back and you kind of streamline it or try and make it more relevant or try to make it tie in a little better it that takes time that you could be could be spent doing you know there's limited manpower there's limited man hours there's limited amount of things that they can do with their time and that old content doesn't really take much of a priority because it's old content. You know, obviously we're playing through it on the leveling stream, but not everybody's going to play through it. A lot of people are going to like load up Legion and use their boost and jump right into the latest stuff. You know, um, on that note, I, I've noticed, uh, I'm like, cause I'm leveling my orc shaman now. I noticed that there's a hell of a lot more people leveling alts right now, like more than ever. Oh yeah. Uh, cause we're in that period where there's no new content yet. We're waiting for Legion. So everybody who's still playing, they're rolling alts, and they're all talking in general about how janky it is. So at yeah. this point in the expansion, everybody's kind of noticing. But once yeah. Legion hits, all of those zones are going to empty out. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, one of the things I've noticed too, I'm, I, I was just playing on my like Night Elf just before the uh, podcast, and one of the things I noticed is that there's there's a certain weirdness in the in the quest flow. Like they, you, you, I was in the middle of doing a quest in Ashenvale, and the quest giver was like, "You should go to, to you know, you should go to Northern Stranglethorn." And I'm sitting going, "I, I should, <laughs> really? but I haven't I, finished here yet. Not only am I not done here, there's another zone literally ten yards over that way. Like I'm at Stardust Spire. Like the next zone is right there." But right there, he just gave me a quest to go down in there and do stuff, and you're telling me to go to Northern Stranglethorn? Why? Yeah. Um, I have noticed this. Um, they try now. They try to tell you what all of your options are, and mm -hmm. I think that could lead to some bad decisions if you don't know any better. Um, I was doing I was doing Tenaris, and I wrapped that up, and I had a quest to either go to Ungirl Crater, which is next door, or a quest to go to Winterspring, 
which is on the complete opposite side of the planet, and I didn't have any flight paths to get most of the way there. Yep. So I went to Ungaro, because that's what you do. But if you don't know these things, you might try to go in Winter Spring, and you're going to have a bad time. Do you remember finally... when Ungoro, Question Ungoro sent you to Winter Spring? Those were delightful. <laughs> I remember when Question Ungoro sent me to Silithus, which immediately sent me to the Blasted Lands. Yeah. Like, what? Why? What? When you did but Lincoln's right. quest, Lincoln was like... Go to Tenaris oh, and die. Okay, now go to Winter Spring. And it's like, where's Winter Spring? Oh, up there? Like way up there? Oh wait, I have to I have to grind for blog rep to actually get through there to get to the place that you want me to go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think a fur blog is something kind of dirty. <laughs> it's a fur blog. All right. Part Whatever. three of this question before you guys distract <laughs> me with blogs. Uh, do you think that they should start new characters currently at level ninety? Preserving the option to start at level one and going forward at the level required for the new, next previous expansion. I did not use a boost to uh, go during Warlords to 90 during Warlords, but I understand it gradually introduced abilities over the cor- couple, course of the initial invasion. Is that sufficient? I think it could be or could be made to be. Thanks. I'm going to say this straight up. I don't think they should automatically start the game at level 90 or level 100. And then, you know, you could choose to be level one, but you start at level 90. Uh, the reason I don't think they should do that is because I simply, I, I think to a certain point, we start making the game so irrelevant that it might as well not even exist. And yeah. I don't see that as a good thing. I don't, as much as we've talked about the jankiness, I don't think the answer is to just lop it off like a diseased limb and start everyone at level 100 or level 90 or whatever. They really, what they need to do is they need to look at the leveling curve as it stands right now because it's really off kilter. Like the flow of the zone does not match the rate at which you level your character. And that's even without heirlooms. I mean, if you put heirlooms on and you buzz through a zone in, you know, an hour or two, okay, that I understand. But our leveling stream characters had no heirlooms at all, and we were out leveling content like, you know, a handful of quests into a zone. We, 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 we have, have the never, choice to move on. We have never finished a zone. No. No. On the leveling we stream. We have even, never done even so. if we aren't doing dungeons for a while, we end up yeah. out leveling. It's, yeah. And to me, that's kind of silly. And that's a lot of where that problem in the lower levels stems from is that you don't get to really experience that content because you don't really have to work your way through it. You could just jump to the next zone and, and it's you get this disjointed view of what the story is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I'm not uh, I'm not hating on heirlooms. Like if heirlooms are great, if you've reached max level and you don't want to spend a lot of time leveling all heirlooms, awesome, perfect. Absolutely. But Fast forward. Now that I'm, cool. I'm using heirlooms on my shaman and the difference between heirlooms and no heirlooms is ridiculous. And heirlooms, like I have all, I think almost all, if I think I have all, but maybe I might be missing one. Heirlooms that give you an XP bonus, wearing all of them, I do like three or four quests in a zone and it wants me to go somewhere else. I spend more time traveling to a zone than I do questing in it. It's yeah, and it's insane. Heirlooms, I mean, I'm not, I'm actually a little anti-heirloom. I actually am opposed to them to a degree. I feel like if they want you to level faster once you've gotten to max level, you could do that as simple as they used to do it with reputation things, where once you hit a reputation on one character, you could then use an item and it would boost your reputation gain on all your other characters. Yeah. They could very easily have it once you hit level 100 or 110 or whatever max level is, all your other characters get an XP boost and we're done. 
And then they could basically sit down and actually level the experience out so that you get the same amount of experience, but you, you do the quests and finish his own more easily. Yeah. For and me not the, just, no, go ahead. For me, for me, the problem was, like I said, that leveling curve is really, it feels like it's off kilter. And then the way that abilities are introduced right now seems like really off kilter and weird. Like Alex, you were getting yeah, an ability that, that affected a spell that you didn't it, even have yet. And he would have for how yeah. long, you know, it, it just, it didn't, didn't make sense yeah um and on this shaman i'm leveling enhancement shaman i was getting things related to maelstrom weapon before i got maelstrom at level 50 which doesn't make yeah. any sense it just doesn't yeah. make any sense and you know going back to the whole uh boost to 90 and gradually introducing abilities over the course of the initial invasion whether or not that's sufficient i don't think so <laughs> I, it worked, it, I, I think it worked think for some so. classes, not for others. Yeah, it, it worked is... for some, not for others, and I don't think it had quite the. I, I don't think it filled that purpose as as seamlessly as they were hoping um, it would. My... I'll say this. I'll say this much. I level boosted a, a death knight to level ninety, and I then have another death knight that I've been leveling on the stream, and I get death knights so much better now that I've been playing the death knight from like fifty five on than I did with the level ninety boost because you build connections in your head as you use abilities in the game and that little experience is not sufficient to do it uh whether it's the it's the whether it's like you know running through tanan or it's whatever they're going to have for for uh, legion it's not enough it's very hard to really learn a class that way you need to play it yeah um my mage is the thing i boosted because um i always have the hardest time leveling a mage i just don't find it particularly fun but it's like maybe if i boost it and i have more abilities it'll be okay um, yeah. There was this moment in that where I boosted it. I was getting my spells, and I unlocked a tier of talents. I was like, "Oh, this talent looks really awesome!" And I picked it, and it didn't show up in my action bar. I was like, "What the hell?" So I opened my spell book, and it's not in the spell book. And uh, it's because I didn't get the base spell yet that it modifies. So uh, I, it was just a bunch of wasted time. Like I was like ten minutes. Like, where did the spell go? Where did the spell go? I picked it. I don't have it. And I had to look up into Wowhead to find. Oh, I don't have it because it modifies something the game didn't give me. Pretty much. So we should probably be wrapping it up here. We've got some emails we're going to carry over into next week. But Blizzard Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Ann. Uh, that's the show. Uh, thank you for listening to Blizzard Watch. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi. I'm the host, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Next week's our anniversary, by the way. Yeah, we will be Isn't doing it? it on Wednesday. Uh huh. Yes. Yep. Next week, special anniversary show Wednesday. So yeah, be there. It's going to be February third. Really cool.